Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So, peace. My favorite topic. (laughs) I walked a lot of kilometers for it. (laughs) Trying to figure it out. (laughs) Trying to live it. Trying to understand it. Trying to embody it. Trying to make peace with all of these ideas that I had about peace. And you know, in the beginning, when I first started my walk, um, I really wasn't all keen and, you know, bought into this whole idea that peace was an inside job, that it was all an inner journey. I was all about action. You've got to have outer action to have peace. And so I imagined in the beginning of my walk, gathering all these people with me as I was walking that they would be people of all, you know, religions and faiths and ideas and cultures, everybody in their own way, passionate about peace. And we would all walk together and arrive in Jerusalem in this rainbow celebration of peace and harmony and diversity and all those wonderful things as living examples of peace. That was my dream. (laughs) Didn't quite work out that way. (laughs) Clearly. Um, as I said, I, hadn't, I didn't appreciate yet that the true journey of peace was an inner one and that I had a lot of my own ideas and thoughts and fears and limitations that were really preventing the peace that was inside of me from revealing itself to the world. And then, obviously, the journey became about, and I understood that a little bit later, that it really isn't, wasn't even so much about walking for peace. It was walking to unravel and to reveal all of those ideas and limitations that were inside of me that were blocking that peace from fully manifesting in the world. And so I began to look at the journey, at each experience, at each person that I met as the opportunity, as the opportunity to truly understand that aspect within me, of me, that was just holding on so tightly that wasn't really willing and ready to let go and to reveal the peace that was already inside. Now, um... And I noticed a lot of things about myself. When you begin on this kind of a a journey of inward looking, you begin to notice. And so what was one of the first things that I noticed um, about myself as I was walking? And these were not easy things to look at. (laughs) Um, I was actually very quick to anger, very quick to feeling stressed, very quick to feeling frustrated when things didn't work out my way or when things didn't work out exactly as I had imagined them or I had planned them, you know, big peace march and all that aside. (laughs) The other things that would simply show up in front of me and I would just get frustrated at. For example, Alberto, as simple as that. Alberto declaring or stating that he would be joining me on that walk. And no matter how many, how powerful the signs were and how powerful it just seemed clear that he would be joining me, I, inside of me, there was this little bit of a panic that was starting to emerge about having somebody walk with me. The idea that he had about uh, calling on churches to go find a place to sleep, that wasn't in my plan. (laughs) (laughs) The idea that we would start to receive money from people who wanted to support us 
on our journey, yeah, that was set me over the top. (laughs) That was, I couldn't handle. I could feel my resentment. I could feel my resistance. I could feel all of my frustration coming out at this, all of these changes that I was having to make and having to adapt myself to what I thought really was my way and my walk, and he should just simply go along with what I wanted to do, okay? That was really also part of my plan (laughs) and the idea that I needed to overcome. Clearly, a lot of work to do. So part of one of the first things I noticed about the journey was my emotions. I really had no control over my emotions, let alone mastery. And it reminds me of, um, there's the story of when Jesus and some of his disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee. And they were, he was sleeping and a, a storm suddenly kicked up and was rocking the boat and water was starting to enter into the boat. And so the disciples all panicked, started to, you know, wake him up, come on, wake up, wake up. And, you know, we're, we're going to drown. And Jesus very calmly wakes up and says, what are you afraid of? And simply declares to the waters to calm and, the cal- and they calm down. Now, on one level, I think, you know, that shows his obvious mastery of his environment and nature. But I believe that there is another more esoteric, more mystical interpretation of that story. And that is he was demonstrating his mastery over the water element of his emotions, Emotions are normally associated with the waters. So he was showing us how he was the master of his emotions. Because if you can't master your emotions, how can you think clearly? How can you see clearly? How can you be open to other ideas and perspectives when those waters are turbulent? And so controlling and you know, working towards mastering <laughs> my emotions, I understood, was a very important step in the spiritual journey that I was actually walking and not merely the physical journey that I was walking. And that is part of the journey of every one of us who is here on that inner journey. I also realized that I had many judgments, judgments about how things should be, um, about how things should work out, and also judgments about people. And that revealed itself very early in the journey, during the walk. When Alberto and I uh, found ourselves having to take shelter uh, and waiting, actually, for a priest to show up at a train station. It was the only thing that was open that was warm. And so we headed into the train station just to warm up a little bit. And as we were sitting at the coffee shop there warming up, um, these two gentlemen with their dog, who looked a little bit unkempt, looked like they could use a shower, looked like they had, you know, maybe been there for a while. They were sitting not far away, and they started to look at us with our backpacks. And, you know, we also hadn't showered in a couple of days, so we didn't look all that much different than they did. And, you know, they motioned for us to come over. And inside of me, I'm thinking... They surely do not think that we are like them, that we are vagabonds because they looked like that. And in fact, when they introduced themselves and they introduced their dog, the dog's name was Vagabond. (laughs) It's a true story. (laughs) And inside of me, 
I'm sitting there talking to them, and inside of me, I'm going, I just hope nobody is seeing this and thinking that I am like them, that I, too, I'm a homeless person. Turns out that they are people. They just wander from place to place. They don't have a home. They're simply, they just live on the streets, and sometimes they play music to, you know, make some extra money, but they are essentially vagabonds. And I caught myself doing it, but I couldn't stop doing it. It's like... I hope nobody's watching. I hope nobody sees that this is that. And they think that I'm, I'm like this. I mean, I'm somebody who's respectable. I mean, I, I quit a job. I mean, I have money. I'm doing this because I want to do this, not because I have to do this. And all of these judgments about these individuals, forgetting that only a day earlier, I had been judged myself, as a matter of fact, by other people who saw me and Alberto, saw Alberto and I sitting in a park having something to eat, and they cast us that, you know, that glance and that look of, you know, these homeless, these poor people that are sitting there in the park having their meal. So I had been judged, and I was judging another, and had not realized what I was doing. It's a hard thing to look at that aspect of yourself. <laughs> but I did, and I understood... Um, that part of the journey is making peace with those judgments that we each have in the secret corners of our heart. We all have those judgments of other people and how people should be. Expectations was another big one, kind of connected to judgments. Expectations about how people should behave, about what's good and what's bad. Um, I had that especially harshly with priests. Because part of our journey involved having every single night to go knock on a door and ask for a place to sleep, which meant that we were opening ourselves up to being rejected. And that happened. And it happened more than once. And I remember the first night, the first time that it happened, I was in shock. Like, it's like, how can you say no? I mean, isn't it your job? Like, you have a collar and everything. Isn't this part of the deal of, you know, helping your fellow human being? Isn't that your job? And the first time that it happened, it was a shock. The second time that it happened, it happened more than once. But there was one night specifically that I remember. And it was around this time of year again. It was around Christmas. We waited all day for the priest to appear. They said to us, oh, yeah, yeah, he'll help you. Don't worry. He's a great man, wonderful man. He'll help you. He showed up at 5 o'clock. It was already dark. And he just looked at us and said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. My family's here. Gave many reasons for why he couldn't help us. And we just said, well, we can just sleep on the floor. Like, we don't, we don't need anything. No, sorry, I can't help you. He goes, go ask, you know, go ask somewhere else. We, we were in a small village. There was nothing else. There was only, there was only the church. And so we found ourselves at, you know, around 6 o'clock at night having to continue walking. And we don't like walking at night. That's, you know, it's dangerous for us. It's dangerous for the cars who don't expect to see somebody on the side of the road. We walked 10 kilometers or so to the next town. An hour and a half, two hours later, we arrive. We see another. We find another church. We go knock on that door. And by now, it's like, you know, 9.30. It's, it's late. It's late in the night. And the gentleman who opens the door all smiles, all kindness. I said, oh, good, this is good. And we explain, you know, our situation, and he just smiles and says, I'm not a hotel. I'm sorry, I can't help you, with the same smile. And I was, you know, I, 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 I'm beyond words. I, I start to cry. I start to cry, and I look down because I don't want him to see that he's hurting me so much by this rejection. And he just closed the door 
in our face. And I remember Alberto begging and saying, please, you know, we just, we just need a roof over our heads for the night. And he said no. And that night, um, after we looked around for hostels, there was nothing that was open. We actually called on the police station. There was a carabinieri, uh, like a local police, and they said they had nothing in the jail <laughs> for us. <laughs> and they said, take a taxi <laughs> to the next town. That was their advice. And we said, no, we're, we're walking. And we walked. We continued walking to the next town, and it was late. We were exhausted. We hadn't eaten all day. All we had with us was some panettone <laughs> that a kind stranger had given us. And um, I remember we found an empty building across the street, and we ran across the road. There was a big open road, fields, nothing but fields, and then this empty house. And when we crossed the road to get into that empty house, we found that one of the buildings, or the complex of buildings, did not have a door. And it was enough for us. We walked in, and all we saw was just ground. It was just earth, compact earth that was frozen, but at least we had four walls. And the windows, which were quite high up, didn't have any glass, but it didn't matter because the wind was blowing up high. We could at least have shelter below. And what was amazing about that night, and which why it will always stand out in my mind, is because when we looked to see what was there, all we saw there was some hay. We saw there was a towel, like a big towel, and a trough for feeding the animals. We had landed in a manger. <laughs> All we needed was like the baby Jesus in the picture, and the picture would have been complete. Now, my judgments of those priests who rejected us stayed with me for a long time and it burned because it was like the injustice of it. How can you say no? Until I learned weeks later that the priests were given orders from their bishops specifically saying to them, do not allow people that you don't know into your homes or into your properties because there have been incidents where priests have been hurt. And so I didn't know that. So I was very quick to obviously judge and condemn those who did reject us, but it certainly made me appreciate so much more those who went against those orders and who took us in anyways. So those judgments, those expectations, um, really the highest, the the harshest expectations, the biggest expectations and the biggest judgments that I have really are of myself first. Let's be honest here. They're of me first. And all I was doing was projecting them out onto other people. And so... um, I realized that the first piece that I needed to make was with this inner tyrant, that inner dictator that kept demanding that things must be done a certain way and that people should behave in a certain way. So it was that inner dictator that I first needed to make peace with because not only was she keeping me from my own peace, but she was creating a barrier between me and other people. And making me forget that they too are brothers and sisters on their own journey as well, with their own judgments and their own expectations as well, that they are working through. And so the first piece I understood was with this inner, this little dictator who had a very harsh stand on how things should be. Of course, I had fears, too many to name, (laughs) but I will focus on the one which was persistent throughout those 13 months of walking. And that was the journey, um, the fear, actually, of being truthful 
and authentic about the full extent of the journey that we were truly on, that it wasn't just, you know, an adventure and a walk and all these wonderful experiences and a journey for peace, which was, of course, it was all of that. But underlying this whole journey, it was a spiritual journey. It was a journey of the spirit. It was a journey um, into all of those unknowns that so many people have such a difficult time speaking about. And of course, I spoke about them when I was with people who understood what I was speaking about. There is no risk. Of course, I opened up and spoke about everything. But with everyone else, Alberto used to call me marketing Moni. You know, the marketing people that you meet. I was one. <laughs> and he would not say it nicely. You know, it's like, there she goes. You know, that fake smile, that pleasant, you know, whatever. Um, saying all the right things, but truly keeping a barrier in front of you, a barrier as to what you were really thinking and what you were really feeling, but just being pleasant and nice and speaking about everything else, but the full extent and the full truth of what was happening inside of us. And, you know, of course it takes courage to speak your truth in every single moment. And that is a journey, my friends, that continues to this day. <laughs> it is not a journey that ended in, uh, you know, in Jerusalem by any stretch of the imagination. And the invitation to be authentic in word, in thought, in deed, that is, you know, that is a journey, I think, for, for many of us as well. Those fears, um, those judgments, those expectations, I've come to appreciate with time um, that they are aspects of a mind that is still very rigid, a mind that hasn't yet been elevated to its highest state, to a mind that essentially has not yet touched, been touched by the love and by the consciousness that resides in the heart. I had not mastered or come close to mastering my thoughts and my mind because I was not yet ready to open my heart. Because when you open your heart, you allow, obviously, the, the love and the light and the, the consciousness of the fullness of the Christ to really sit on its throne in the kingdom of the heart. And when love is there as the ruler, it transforms everything. It transforms your thoughts. It transforms the mind. It transforms the emotion. It transforms everything. And when love is the ruler, you have the beginning of peace. It begins with love. It is the foundation for what to me is next, which is peace. Now, um, at, this time of, at this time of year, you know, obviously, it's very, we're all very busy. There's lots of to-dos and there's lots of motion and lots of activities. But at the same time, I still, when I look around, I still feel a stillness. I still feel a hush that kind of pervades everything. Maybe it's the snow, you know, maybe it's the snow, the way that it blankets everything. It kind of absorbs the sound of everything. I don't know. Um, there's also that sense of, of anticipation. There's that sense of good things that are going to be coming. And, you know, and I can't help but feel that this is exactly what pervaded on that holy night when the infant Jesus was about to be born, that that mystical power that brought Mary and Joseph together was the same power 
that also conceived this child of the star, this child of perfection, this child of purity and beauty and grace. His birth not only reminds us of his perfection, but it reminds us of our perfection as well. And so as we kind of go deeper and we journey into this season at Advent that is leading us with heightened anticipation to the coming of the Christ, the invitation um, is to withdraw from all of the outer world and to enter the inner sanctuary, the inner cave, the cave of the heart. It's the place, obviously, where peace dwells and where it is once again ready to be born just as an innocent child is born and it's going to be born surrounded by love by simplicity by grace and we're invited to witness this birth to hold this child and to embrace it as the most precious gift that we can truly be given and to know in that moment that we touch it, even if it's for a fleeting instant, the wonder and the marvel and the peace that each and every one of us truly is. And so it is. Thank you. <laughs>